Just stop it. The run-of-the-mill, cheesy, humdrum bullshit status quo just tires me out. What fascinates me are the industry disruptors, the superhuman frontiersmen or women who go through hell to achieve their goals. Join me as we meet and learn from those mavericks, rebels, and business leaders that aren't afraid to piss off the establishment in order to make radical change for good. Sponsored by Johto PR, the disruptive anti-PR firm that murders your competition with cinder blocks and cyanide. This is Disruption Interruption. Welcome back, everybody, to Disruption Interruption. I'm your host, KJ, and we're here today to talk with someone else who has steered off the lame, tired path of the status quo. Today's guest has been disrupting for more than 20 years as a senior business executive in leading global organizations. So we're talking to him today because of his significant experience with operational efficiencies in this digital transformation age. Now that's a big mouthful, but yes, he's led global service oriented teams, but he knows digital transformation at its core of requirements for small business and small businesses today are disrupting. Bad customer experiences cost businesses 75 billion a year. Digital transformation is at the core of the requirements for small business, because we all know customers and clients are central to all companies. Coming to us live from Redondo Beach, California, please welcome our disruptor, Ray McKenzie, founder, CEO at Starting Point. All right, thank you, KJ. That's an amazing introduction. I think you made me sound uh, more important than I am, but thank you. Well, you like a badass, right? <laughs> Big Sigma, Sensei, all of that stuff. I said, like, how are we going to condense it all into one thing? <laughs> but let's get down to brass tacks here because, wow, you've been um, helping lead global organizations like in certain teams. You've also been an advisory to startups in Silicon Valley and Washington, D.C., right? You, you understand the digital transformation. At its core, you understand how it's disrupting small businesses which is a huge pent up demand right now. They've, they've needed this digital transformation. But before we get into this, I want you to tell me what is your main ingredient for innovative disruption? My main ingredient for innovative disruption is focused around kind of the state of mind of getting out of the phrase, this is how we've always done it. The issue with that phrase is this is how we've always done it, is that when you're thinking in the age of, well, maybe digital transformation, business transformation, change management, organizational change management, however you want to phrase it, the issue with that phrase is that that creates a level of being stale or lacking innovation or growth or um, anything that can move the business forward, because you're now thinking, well, I don't want to do that because this is how it's always been. And sometimes in, in oh, what we've seen over the years is that things change more rapidly in our current society. Whereas when we were in business 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, you know, you didn't necessarily see rapid innovation in terms of in the computing world like mainframe and servers. You know, we went for a long period of time before we even got laptops that were functional. And then as we got yeah. laptops, next thing you know, we have tablets. And then next thing you know, from tablets went to just regular phones that we could use. 
you know? And so now we're starting to see it go from where we saw innovation happen every five to 10 years to where, you know, if people said this is how we've always done it. You probably didn't see too much of a change in terms of technology or improvements to how you would do things on a regular basis. But now we live in a world to where things are now changing every six, 12, 18 months, and it's rapidly changing over and over and over. And so if you say this is how it's always been done, every time you say that, you set yourself back a series of months because technology, innovation, disruption is happening, whether it be in your department with technology, with process and procedure, or even with competition, it's mainly about how can I do things better? And also, am I even open to doing things different and better? And you have to be open to it. And maybe sometimes it doesn't work. Maybe sometimes it is too difficult. If somebody says, hey, this is how we've always done it. Oh, but I've got this initiative that's going to take two, three years for us to put into place. This is going to make things exponentially better. It's like, okay, well, is it worth the, is it worth the projects? Is it worth the time? You know, we're going to gauge the project, gauge the engagement and see how it works. But sometimes there's quick fixes that companies can put into place, whether it be technology, whether it be process, whether it be people, whether it be organizational change, whether it be anything of that nature that they can put in that can improve and innovate their business to catch up and surpass the competition. And that really is a key point that you said right there, catch up and surpass their competition. With, with technological advancements, we have smaller companies that can really outpace their much larger competitors in many aspects of disruption, right? Um, so it's the aspect of being nimble, but also having the processes and framework in place to not lose your clients and customers with it. Yeah, uh, very true. I mean, you're starting to see a lot of the companies that have grown exponentially in the last 10 years, you know, we, they, they're the big fish in the pond, but you're also starting to see these really smaller companies that are 10, 20, 50 employees that are able to move quicker and release product faster and, you know, innovate their systems and innovate their teams and strategically go after different areas of the market faster um, because they don't have the, uh, the big, you know, big rig that's coming down the road that can't move as quickly, it can't move as agile. It may have a ton of different features and functionality, but strategically they just don't move as agile and nimble enough. And so now you're starting to see those smaller companies really develop technologies that can surpass those larger companies just because they can easily do more. Yes. And whether it be in just, whether it be just in the framework of the technology that they've built or that they're able to kind of shift strategy very quickly, or maybe they have a, a really sharp, focused, experienced team that could pump out marketing materials faster to go after certain verticals. You know, all of those things play into a factor of, of really winning in business, you know, and, and talk about disrupting markets and innovation. You know, those companies that can move quickly have a significant advantage versus those companies, like I said, who say, this is how we've always done it. Those companies that say, this is how we've always done it, they struggle with innovation. I've seen it within large companies, you know, to where they may say, hey, we're going to incubate some new ideas, new products, things like that. And it's groups of maybe five to 10 key people. 
But then when those five to 10 key, key people come back into the organization, like, oh, we should do this. We're starting to see the market move here, or we're starting to see customers ask for this. They go back to the big fish and the big fish is like, oh, you know, slow down. We're not quite ready for that. We're not ready to put resources towards it. And next thing you know, they get passed up. Yeah. You know, I've seen that a lot. I see that in, uh, you know, public companies, what made them completely innovative and, you know, caused them to have this fast trajectory, you know, hit their IPO. Right. And then they go into this almost like maintain the status quo phase and they're not updating their technologies and they become stale. And those key disruptive, innovative people are kind of pushed out because they're a totally different type of creator. They're not let's maintain the status quo kind of people. I, I see this evolution in companies a lot. Yes, it happens really, really often. Yeah, uh, it does. More than people think. More than people think is, you know, there's a certain level of the large companies have reached a, a level of success, which is amazing, you know, and their products are extremely reliable and they service their customers and, you know, they're able to provide services at a stable rate for their clients and customers easily. However, that company now has to also keep up with all the innovation and change and disruption that's happening. And that's where they struggle is, hey, we built this great product that was great five years ago, but now that it's, it, now it's four years down the line and people are asking for more and they want faster and they want quicker and they want more automation and they want, you know, simple. They want, you know, ease of use. And how do we re-engineer this great product that we built five years ago and really release something that meets our customer demand? It's painful. And that is painful. It's resource intensive. You know, it's a strategic struggle. It is. a strate- It's almost like you need a disruptive innovation, innovative engine over here in the company that is constantly like, let's look at this and let's, you know, innovate. These companies, they, these they become legacy much faster than they ever did before. Before, exactly, much faster. I think about it like you can even go, so we can talk, we'll talk, you know, old car models, you know, gosh, before you had Ford and and Ford was kind of it for a number of 50, 60 years. Now we're in a place to where Tesla comes out with the Model 3 and the Model 3 is like kind of old. <laughs> it's not it's not old. No, and and I just read we're gonna start having pricing wars on electric cars, right? Yeah, that's, so and that's coming out. So we got Mustang, now they're going electric and Tesla just came out maybe two, three years ago to a mass yeah. but now you've got Teslas, you've got Rivian cars, you've got um every other electric car that's out there. You've also got people developing hydrogen-based cars. And so now it's like Whereas before it would take 20, 30, 40 years before we reach this innovation. Now you're starting to see this happen within like 12, 18 months of, of what's happening. But that's only a, a microcosm of everything yeah. else. Innovation and disruption is happening across almost every industry. Every industry. And you know, for you, uh, wait, I have a couple of questions. But one, where does your passion from small, for small businesses come in? Um, gosh, I think, you know, <sighs> Coming out of college, um, myself and a business partner who I'm, we're still very, very good close friends. You know, we started a small MSP right out of college. And so that was servicing really small businesses, you know, on ITN and software development and web design. 
And so, you know, I've always felt that even when I worked with an early stage startup and then worked with these large global public companies and went back to a smaller company, that small businesses have a unique advantage for them, you know, which is they can go in and they can say, let's see if something works and pivot quickly and shift and have some success. And there's a lot of value that's put into that I see in small businesses because you can serve a subset of customers and have wild success that not only is successful for your customers and clients, but it's also successful for you. And you can see it more readily than you can in the behemoth. You said something really key there. I remember talking to another disruptor, very interesting, uh, just like you. He was um, part of the, the team that rolled out Microsoft 365 to small businesses. Yeah. And Microsoft. Now, he's not there anymore. And he loves small businesses, just like you. And he said something very similar. You can help them a lot. And you can see, like, instant massive change. Yeah. That, that yeah. affects greatly a group of people for the better. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, small businesses have a, a unique struggle because a lot of the tools that are out there in the marketplace are built not are not built for them. They're not built for them. Um, They're built for the large company. They're built for the enterprise level company because that's where the really the big money is. Mm -hmm. And so small businesses are at a natural disadvantage to try to compete in a lot of marketplaces because they just don't have the tools. They don't have the tools, they don't have the software or they don't have the time, which is like, hey, if I wanna put in some software, I really just wanna buy and put it in and it should work within maybe a day, maybe a week at the most. I don't really have time within my small business of five to seven to eight people to say, oh, we're going to undergo this three, six, 12 month project. And then at the end of 12 months, we're going to see massive change <laughs> like that. You know, as a small business, small to medium sized firm, you're, you're really trying to gain some significant. That doesn't work. Yeah, significant advantages as quickly as possible. What do you think has been for you, the biggest catalyst that you can see that's, we've had a lot of pent up demand from small businesses to be able to have these technological advances and digital transformation. But what's changing now, obviously, is the consumer mindset everywhere, right? Every six months, things change is six, 12, I mean, super fast. What do you think has been the catalyst for that from your vantage point? Um, I think people are starting to figure out you know, how can I do more with less? You know, and what, what's that really look like? You know, I mean, obviously there was a period of time to where everybody would just go out and just hire a ton of people and throw people at a problem and say, this is going to fix itself and work itself out. But every and 10 that, years there's a recession and boom, there would be a, a massive change to brick and mortar because of that. Exactly, exactly. And so now people are starting to get ahead of it and say, you know, how can I do more with less instead of saying, how can I do more with more people? Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, and so with that, you've got obviously technology, digital advancements, you know, maybe some operational process improvements, things of that nature that can solve the problem. Um, I think so it's kind of a fundamental shift in terms of, of leadership and how you're approaching your business. You know, some people say, well, gosh, how can I get more or I'm losing customers 
So I just need to go out and find more new customers. Well, how about you put some stuff in place so you keep your current customers? You know, instead of having novel both, idea, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, mind mind blowing. Idea. Know, right? So it's one of those things where they're like, if I could go out and hire one person who's focused on what we've seen, kind of customer success or client success, or focus on more customer support and service delivery that maintains a portfolio of maybe 300 customers and clients, instead of having to go out and hire five sales, individual salespeople to go try to find somebody to replace each one. Now I've got something I can work with that's a little bit smarter in terms of how I execute it. Right. Well, that is a perfect segue into starting point. Yes. Because, you know, you've taken a, from what I've seen, you've taken the best of several worlds, right? Operational efficiencies, which is what you're talking about now, right? Retaining clients, digital transformation. But tell me about the innovation and how this helps small businesses, mainly uh, consultants and consulting firms, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, my background started uh, seven years ago. I founded a management consulting firm um, have uh, working in a specific space of Fortune 1000 companies, cloud computing and cybersecurity companies, um, working in strategy, you know, marketing, operational efficiency. And, and through that, you know, my firm grew. And we had a bunch of consultants across the United States working on different engagements and different projects. The challenge with that is all the consultants in a natural consultant environment, you're working one-to-one -one with clients, your clients working one-to-one -one with you, uh, you know, and that's where the exchange of information and communication is. However, what happens when one of those the consultants is out on vacation for a period of time? You know, or COVID hits. Somebody <laughs> so then the client is the consultant is sick or out of the office for whatever reason. They contact me because they're like, hey, we've been working on this engagement. What happens? And it was like, well, now I've got to call the person who's either in Tahiti and Florida Keys or, you know, sick and co sick with COVID. And I've got to say, hey, can you update me on this account or can you send me this file or, you know, can you update me as to this engagement, this project and details and blah, 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 blah. Well, that's inconvenient for everybody. The client's not happy because then I don't necessarily get back to them as quickly as I could. My consultant is is sick or out of the office on vacation trying to have a good time. And then I'm trying to put all the pieces together. So I said, you know, how can I have a tool for a small firm? My firm is under 10 people that allows me to be able to see everything along with my client to see everything and have a way of engagement with us along with their team members to have give them the autonomy to be able to work on projects manage communication, collect all their files, and do all this securely. Now, in the enterprise space, there's some really large expensive tools that are out there that can solve some of these challenges. And they take 6, 12, 24 months to implement within organizations, a lot of customization, a lot of professional services, and a hefty invoice. I was like, I need to build something for myself that allows me to do all of these things really easy, really simply, and at a lower cost for a small business. And that's how we put together Starting Point, which is a workflow management and customer operations platform for consultants, advisors, professional services, teams, and departments 
in the small to mid-sized company range. And the goal is really to give them something that they can implement within 20 minutes that allows them to manage everything after they close a client. So, you know, obviously in business, we all have CRM tools. There's a lot of sales, marketing, leader generation, marketing automation platforms, pipeline management. Project um, management. All that stuff. But then after you close a client, there's no complete suite that's there to say, you can do all of this as your single point of contact with this company. And so that's what we built with Starting Point, which is companies now have the opportunity to have a, a portal um, that allows all their clients to go in and see everything that's happening with their account. Um, their team members are able to log into the platform and have all types of engagement with their clients that they're managing. And then executive management is now able to see everything from a services perspective for their business. Like when, you know, gosh, within my consulting company, the routine was send us the Friday recap email consultants, you know, which is, oh, tell me everything you've done this week. Weekly report. Tell me what's going on. Yeah. Reports. Well, now I don't need that anymore because I can log into the platform and see everything that's happened. Mm -hmm. So that's where the concept of starting point came from. And now I could, of course, I could try to piece together a bunch of different tools. I could spend three to six months trying to tie API to API and platform to platform and tell people, hey, I'm paying for five SaaS subscriptions over here and seven over here and I've got files over here and I, you know, stuff like that. But then I was like, that's inconvenient for everybody. That's not really operational efficiency. Well, isn't that part of the status quo is that when we're going into these digital transformations, the tech stack just keeps increasing, right? And it's like, like, how many SaaS subscriptions do I have? How many API? Oh, man, this one broke. Where's the, like, yeah. Exactly. And and now, you know, you start to see, you see some solutions out there that are, credit cards that are specifically made to manage SaaS solutions or platforms because you have so much of a tech stack that you don't know how many subscriptions you have over here versus it's true. over here. It's here. True. So it goes from five tools to seven tools to 10 tools to 12 tools and information is everywhere and data is everywhere. And your clients don't have the ability to see everything that's happening. And so, I was just like, how about we just simplify this down from a services perspective so that your clients can just go one place, they can send their questions in, they can see their engagements, they can see their goals as to what they want to do, they can manage all their checklists and tasks, they can upload their files that they want to share securely with you, all in one location, so that there's no gap, there's no missing point in the engagement at all with your clients or customers. How does this compare with, you know, you know, anytime someone listens to something new, they compare it with something they, they know, right? Which may not be anything like it. But as a point of comparison, how does this relate to project management systems? You know, there's a ton of those out there, right? Yeah, there's a ton of project management systems. I think I was on um, a couple of demos this morning, you know, and every time I'm on a different demo, somebody mentions a different tool. Yeah. So... Um, for our advantage over a project management platform is that we also tie in the service management ticketing aspect to it, along with the file storage aspect to it, along with your front end customer portal to it. 
um, along with also some workflow automation as well, which is once this happens, this is what's next. Or once this question comes in, it needs to route to this person. Um, and you've got full suite of templates. So, you know, you could compare it to a project management tool plus a service management tool plus a file storage data data room plus a workflow management AI type of plus a customer interface. Look, we've already have five in the tech stack right there. <laughs> plus the customer interface, and it could be deployed within 20 minutes. Yeah. And so, you know, we focused on obviously, you know, my background in Lean Six Sigma is focused around just making sure it's lean process. So nothing takes more than five clicks. You know, you don't have to code anything in the platform. Um, it, and it's, it's just really easy to use and simple and then it's scalable as well. And so, you know, you don't have to do too much to actually improve your environment, working environment regularly from a services perspective. So you could do it in a 20 minute lunch. Yep, exactly. Yeah, I like the 20 minute part. <laughs> so this is for service industries, like advisors, consultants, like give me the gamut. Um, you've got consultants, you've got advisors, you've got professional services implementation teams. So whether you're in a business that may deploy hardware on college campuses or you are on um, you are working in some sort of professional services engagement to deploy hardware, you know, or maybe you're even in a manufacturing space to where you need to go in and you need to actually manage an engagement with a client that could be long term. Um, any type of professional services engagement, it could even go to accountants and, and you know, people in financial services. Um, you know, we're Why wouldn't they need that during tax time? <laughs> yeah, we're starting to get a lot of um, traction in the ed tech space as well. Education. Really? Yeah, because education is one of those uh, is one of those industries where they say this is how we've always done things. Yes. Well, absolutely, but now, right? But now the challenge is you've got this whole COVID pandemic post education world, and you've got a tech stack of 10, 12 tools. And you've got remote staff, remote faculty, remote administration, you've got students, you've got a lot of moving pieces, and the world has fundamentally changed. And so how do you communicate? How do you work easier? How do you streamline how you do things on a regular basis or make things easy? And now higher education and schools are starting to look towards that. That's incredible. It's incredible. Why do you do what you do? What's the driving principle like for you personally behind this? You know what's interesting is I didn't plan to do this. <laughs> <laughs> You're like a, most disruptors. <laughs> I didn't plan to do it. Like, um, you just you know, woke up one day and you said, "That's freaking it! I'm doing something about this." Like, I was, I was, I was running my consulting firm, and that's a story in itself. Um, running my consulting firm and I just needed a tool to improve how we were working. It felt like we were just spending hours and hours of, you know, every consultant was spending two to five hours in terms of just recapping what happened with engagements. And it's like, you know, you could spend two to five hours actually billing clients and customers. Yeah. You spend two to five hours just typing up a report for me. Um, and so I was like, okay, let's build a tool to solve our problem because I couldn't find anything out there. And then as I started building the tool and scoping it out and all that stuff and kind of being the chief product officer, I started showing it to other people. And as I started showing it to other people, 
they were like, we could use this. I want that. I want that. I want that. And I'm interested in this. Like, this is something we could use. This is something, you know, I'm interested in it. Or this is something that with a few changes we could use. In our and I was like, hmm, like people seem to be interested. And then that's what turned it into starting point, which is, okay, I've got enough interest over here from people who want to use or who are interested in the product. Let's turn this into a viable product and let's go out and let's find people who need the product. And why I do what I do, it, it, it's just kind of, one, I think it's cool to create things that help people. Um, I think there's different ways to do things. I always think there's different ways to, to kind of do different things or achieve different tasks. And some things are not conventional as some things are. Um, but, you know, creating something of value that helps people work easier is good. Um, I've always been a big believer in terms of work-life balance. I obviously, married four kids, but you know, with that, um, but balance, you know, balance, balance. <laughs> if, if there's a way, company. If there's a way, people on teams can do two hours less of work per week, and they could spend two hours more with their family, or friends, or spouse, or doing a hobby, or something like that, or shark fishing, like yourself. Uh, <laughs> then it's it's one of those things to where let's try to get there. You know, and there's ease, there's always easier, more efficient ways to do things or just different ways to do things and maybe, just maybe, achieve better results. Well, there goes back that state of mind. Yeah. yeah. But you have a big purpose to help. And I noticed this on your website is that, you know, you, you allow small businesses to start for free. Yes. Yes. So Why? Why is because I think that's so badass, but I want to know why. The one thing that we one thing that we found is uh, there's not a lot of comprehensive tools that people can use. Okay, so that's the first thing. First thing is thinking about our use, why we needed to use it, things like that. Is you know if you're a really small firm or you're just getting started, you know, and there's a lot of people that are just getting started in this world called you know consulting or entrepreneurship and things like that you don't know what you need you don't know what you don't know and you're trying to figure it out and so you know if you're able to get introduced to a tool that helps you kind of enhance you know how you work how you provide services to your customers and clients the thing that's going to happen over time is your business is going to grow and so then if we can become an integral tool at that point for you and help you grow and help you have more success then over time, our business is going to go as well and our software is going to be more useful. You know, and that's that was the premise behind it is as an entrepreneur that kind of came in, I, I had a long corporate career. I jumped and started my firm. I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know that I needed certain tools. I didn't know what tools were out there. I, you know, obviously being in technology, I knew of some tools, but didn't know of all. And it's like, hey, if I can try something out, and it can help me go my firm from where it's just me or me plus my wife or my assistant or my business partner, then over time, we're going to hire another person and we're going to hire two people and we're going to hire five people and 10 people. And so it's all about just enhancing business growth or, you know, creating more small businesses or giving them some tools to have more success. I love it. I love it. Giving them more tools to have success and creating more small businesses. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, was some statistic, was it 35 million small businesses in the U S 
Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah, that's. I, I think that's that's pretty close. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're the backbone of our economy. Yeah, and it. I think. And many are service industries. Like America is a service industry. Like on, that across the boards, right? Built on providing services to people, whether it be accounting, financial services, whether it be, um, you know, home care services, or you know, yeah, services. Or even so much now, we've obviously got this economy of digital marketing agencies and social media services and things like that. Um, you know, people are becoming shops of one to two to three to five to 10 people. It's just where businesses are going and businesses are learning how to be multi-million dollar businesses with under 50 employees. Yeah, it's badass. It's absolutely badass. And I, I really didn't see America as a service industry until COVID hit. Yeah. You know, and then it was like, oh my gosh, we're a service industry. So many of us were shut down. And here is this digital transformation that you were naturally going to, right? And never going back. People had to learn how to do more with less. It was just, it was just overnight. Just March 15th happened. Boom. Boom. You start to do more with less charts, start to figure it out. <laughs> that was it. And and companies also had to adapt too. We've got fortune yeah. five companies that had to say, March 15th, the world is now functioning. We've got to go remote with tens of thousands of employees. Like, yeah. And and that's how you know the medium that we're on now, Zoom, is is obviously exponentially grown. Um, you know, there's multiple platforms out there that people just had to adapt or adopt because of that instance. And granted, I, I had always worked remote for, I'd say, a majority of my career. So it wasn't strange for me. It was me just, either. hey, just wake up and keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. But for 95% of the world, it was a fundamental change in terms of how are we able to continue to work? Are we able to continue work how we always work? And what do we need to put in place to do that? And so next thing you know, you have these set of tools and technology that companies have to overnight try to adopt. And it, sometimes it went well, sometimes it didn't. Some days, to a certain extent, it's still going on now. Companies are still trying to shift. But small businesses in that whole story were left behind because Granted, nobody's really going out there saying, hey, you know, you need to figure out how to work better, work more efficiently in this new time. And so if, you know, we can create a tool that allows people to do that through our software, then let's do it. And let's let's give them some more power to actually compete with those medium, large size enterprises to actually make a change and have some more success. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And so where's start? What are your what are your plans for starting point? You didn't expect to do this. Not people like it. <laughs> it. What are your plans? Now is, you know, we we just came out of beta in January. So now it's generally available to people so they can go on our website, you know, www.startingpoint.ai. Um, definitely feel free to check it out. There's a free account. If you've got more than two team members, you know, contact us and we'll have a salesperson reach out to you. Um, it is what our, our goals are. One is to keep improving the product. I think that's that's important. That's where the product kind of came from. Like I had an original vision for it um, in terms of what's needed and what's not. But 
I had somebody tell me this this morning, you can't do surgery on yourself. <laughs> and so, and, and customer feedback is, is, is paramount. So we had a lot of people that used the platform early. They gave us a ton of great feedback. We rolled all that into the product. The product is very robust now, but we're always looking for more product feedback. You know, how can we make it better? How can we innovate? What do people want? What do people need? Um, and so for us, it's growth of the product. Um, obviously, we want to get in front of more and more customers because that's the goal of being in business. So, you know, increasing revenue. Um, and then also just continuing to make a difference and develop develop a software that can really drive change within businesses. That's awesome. And where do you see these operational efficiencies, like the demand for that changing the SMB market over the next several years? Um, I, I, I mean, I think people are going to start to look and say, you know, how can I be one? How can I be more productive? And then how, how can I get more out of my time? You know, we're starting to see some things in the, in the workplace, which are, hey, people are going to four day work weeks. You know, that's a fundamental change from, you know, five days a week, six days a week, things like that. Five days a week in the office, we're seeing a four day work week creep yep. up. Companies are going to start to look and say, you know, how can I get the most productivity or work more efficiently and still be able to service our customers and clients in the best way possible? And so with that, you know, I, I, I mean, we're still going to see some more change in terms of what things are happening. I don't think that ever is going to go away. <laughs> yeah, a change is going to be there. And we're also seeing a, a change in employer to employee relationships too, which it could be a completely different discussion, but it is like, hey, if the employee's not happy, they do have choices to move and leave, you know, versus 30, 20, 30 years ago to where it was like, I'm not happy, but I still need to go to work every day. Right. So employers almost have to equip their employees with the right tools to be successful. So they're not spinning their wheels or they're not doing as much redundant task or they're able to automate tasks to make sure that, hey, instead of it taking 30 minutes, we could do this in three minutes. And so employees dictate what needs to happen inside of companies now where it was previously the inverse. No, Gosh, you know, it's like employees are the new consumer in businesses, right? I mean, consumers are changing things, intolerant of waste and inefficiencies. They want their stuff now. But in business, employees are the new consumer. Yes, they want better ways to do things, less, you know, redundancy, less things that are exhausting them, right? Well, Something like, that takes 30 minutes, let's make it three minutes. In every company, you can go inside the company and somebody will say, I don't know why we do this this way. And somebody across the hall will say, well, that's how we've always done it. <laughs> and the hairs go up on the back of your neck. <laughs> and, hairs go on your back. and one person is going to, in six weeks, somebody's going to, they're either going to bring it up again or somebody's going to change it. Or in six weeks, some one of the employees is going to leave. Yep. You know, and, and that's just kind of how things are now. And so if, if, if we could continue to develop tools that help companies grow, help companies evolve, help companies innovate, um, maybe disrupt what's happening, then that's the goal. That's really what we want to do, you know, and, and figure out how do you make things easier for people to do within the workplace? Yes, 
Absolutely. How do you make it easier, but also make it better? It's not just easier. It's make it better, right? For the yep. clients, mm -hmm. which ultimately pays the paychecks. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Which ultimately makes people like, you know, you have happy employees, they're more productive. You know, we go to a four day work week. Great. Are they more productive <laughs> that way? High morale makes them want to go to work. High morale, high productivity, high customer satisfaction. There you go. The three pillars. Dun, dun, dun. High <laughs> revenue. So, you know, you and high revenue, the four pillars. There we go. <laughs> Ray, what do you do outside of, of uh, building starting point? What are your crazy passions? I mean, you know, you got four kids and a family, right? Four, four kids. Um, Two, two of them play baseball, one plays a cheerleader and plays softball. So life is kind of encompassed around that. Um, other than that, you know, it's the gym. I like to box, I like to kickbox. Um, we like to try new restaurants and, and travel a bit here and there. So, uh, you know, there's in between baseball and softball and cheer and stuff like that, we'll move our way around. So, you know, travel and eat and work it off. That's awesome. <laughs> That's the cycle. Travel, eat, workout, repeat. Yeah. <laughs> That's the new American dream, right? Yeah, that is. That is. Yes. Okay, so tell people how to find you again. All right. So um people are able to reach me at on LinkedIn, uh Ray McKenzie, Raymond McKenzie. Um, you'll be able to easily find me there. You can also go to www.startingpoint.ai um which is obviously the workflow management and customer operations SaaS platform that we've developed um and if they need any type of consulting help they can go to www.redbeachadvisors.com and um, we can have a further conversation there too so feel free to reach out in any of those mediums i do answer all of them um that's great so if, if you reach out via linkedin i talked to a gentleman earlier and he was like yeah hey, i get so many linkedin messages i still do respond to those so um feel free to reach out feel free to add me um love to open up a conversation and and go from there that's great ray you're 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 another genuine innovator that does like to talk to people <laughs> yeah <laughs> probably like to talk a little too much but that's <laughs> well i've had a lot of fun today thank you i learned a lot too Appreciate. Yeah, I wish you the best of luck. Definitely appreciate the interview, KJ. Um, thank you for the medium, of course, and uh, keep doing what you're doing. Thank you again. All right. That's a wrap, everyone. If you learned something today or laugh, tell someone about this podcast and tell people to go disrupt their markets with the some tidbit from this show. And thank you for listening to Disruption Interruption, where we transform lives, change consumer behavior, alter economics, and never accept the status quo. Ciao for now. Because we live in a highly litigious society with America being one of the top litigious countries in the world, here's our legal disclaimer. This information is not intended to be a substitute for professional public relations or legal advice. Do not disregard seeking professional legal, healthcare, or financial advice or delay seeking professional PR or legal advice because of something you have heard here. Contact an attorney to obtain advice on any particular legal situation or problem. Use of this podcast or our website or any of its social media or email links do not create an agency-client relationship between Joto PR and the user.